Well, hey, friends, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I am Jonathan, your creative producer and marketing director over at Stay Forth, and I want to say I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Whatever you're doing today, whatever you have going on, you took your next step and hit pause to focus your attention to this podcast, and we want to say thank you. By doing that, you're helping us get this message into more eyes, ears, and hearts. Now, before we jump into our episode, so don't hit the skip button right quick, just stick with me. I want to go over a couple of announcements, and they won't take long, and you can find more information about both of them by clicking the link in the show notes below. But first and foremost is the Right Side Up community. If you have not joined that yet, you need to. The reason you want to be in there is because we are focusing on all things practical leadership development for the grand cost of zero dollars. We want to make as many practical investments in as many leaders as possible, and the Right Side Up community is going to help us do that. We've got exclusive interviews that you will not see anywhere else. Uh, We've got coaching that happens each and every week to give you a chance to gain access to one of our coaches on our coaching team and our coaching network, uh, Q&A. Um, thoughts. You get to learn and grow with other leaders. So it's a great space that we're putting together that is wildly different from the polarity and volatility that social media has become. The Right Setup community is an amazing place to be. So if you're not there, do me a favor, click the link in the show notes below. Take five minutes and go join. You won't regret it. And I look forward to seeing you over there. The next one is an opportunity to help us scholarship at-risk leaders. And the way you can do that is by clicking the link in the show notes below and heading over to Storehouse and supporting at various tiers. They begin at $10 a month. And what your support will help us do would be to eliminate or lower the cost of coaching so that we can scholarship leaders towards our refreshing experiences, to make coaching more accessible, a number of ways to help the tools and the practicality and the mission and vision behind Stay Forth Designs become more attainable and accessible to leaders everywhere. We have a goal, a big, hairy, audacious goal of helping 1.1 million leaders get healthy so they can reach more impact. And your support will help us get there, will help us greatly get there. So I understand the benefits of coaching firsthand. I went through coaching and it quite literally changed my life. I didn't realize how unhealthy I was until we started the coaching journey. So as someone who has been through coaching and who has experienced transformation because of it, I would highly encourage you, if you can, to consider supporting us through uh, Storehouse. Now, today's episode is going to be a great one. The working landscape has changed tremendously in the last year. It was already changing, but I believe that COVID has served as a catalyst for speeding up that change. Um, So on today's episode, we're going to be talking with a phenomenal leader. Uh, She is the CEO of an organization that deals exclusively in virtual and remote work. So I hope that you have time and you really take some notes and sit with this conversation about what's changed in the working world in the last year as Alan talks to Trisha Shortino, the CEO of Belay Solutions. So enjoy today's episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Well, Trisha, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Uh, Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here. It's an honor. So I've kind of uh, admired Belay at a distance uh, from for a season, but why don't you just explain a little bit about what you guys do at Belay Solutions and even the story of how Belay came into being? Yes, absolutely. That's a I can go on for a long time about that one. Um, so honestly, Belay's um, story is a is a is a unique one. I love telling it. It was born out of an accidental remote relationship, really. Um, I um, was looking for something different and um, knew that working in an office was not going to be the right thing for my family. So started working as a virtual assistant for an organization where Brian Miles, who is the owner of Belay, him and his wife, Shannon, um, turned out to be my boss at the time. So Brian lived in Atlanta, Georgia. I was in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I was supporting him in a virtual assistant capacity. 
and there birthed the idea of, gosh, how many other leaders are out there that could use support or maybe can't find local support, um, and there are good fits and good hires to be made outside of your local network. Um, Brian knew back then that um, there were um, leaders looking for help and support to help them grow their capacity and were having a really hard time tapping into their local network to find local source, source talent. So there came the idea from Brian and Shannon Miles at the time that we could create an organization that helped equip um, people with the right hire that they need and and that it could be remote workforce, that we could find great talent in a completely different state or city from you, um, and you could have a great working relationship and um, have a thriving relationship actually working remote. So that's kind of the birth story of um, Belay. With that, we actually started with the, um, with the church in mind. Um, we knew that there were pastors specifically out there that were um, having a hard time finding great talent and support in their churches. And um, a good amount of our first clients at Belay were pastors who we knew that we were just really trying to find them people that would help serve them in the things that they needed to get done in their week. Um, and, and we knew they didn't have to be sitting in the church office with them to do so. So that's kind of the history of Belay. And then uh, obviously, like I mentioned, we, we serve virtual assistant services all remote as well as bookkeeping. Um, our heart is to serve the church, but we also serve um, for-profit and many other industries across the United States. Well, and you guys have gotten uh, big shout outs from Michael Hyatt and others who um, have used your guys and been just such a fan of that. Um, what an interesting day it is to be alive. I mean, what a, what a crazy kind of moment it is. Um, talk about some more of those advantages of a decentralized work team. Yeah, we, um, we are a bit spoiled. Um, we started as a decentralized work team and it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, especially if you're used to going into an office for sure. Um, so we had to work really hard at creating an environment that was super healthy, but we knew that the pros for us outweighed the cons. We saw the benefit of really being able to have better boundaries in your work and have better work-life integration, if you will. We saw the benefits of taking away the commute um, we, and the, the wear and tear that you put on your body and your car and all the things that go into reporting into an office. We saw the benefits of productivity, honestly, um, that you could be super productive working in a remote capacity uh, if you eliminate a lot of the distraction that can come from being in an office or being on an on-site um, facility, um, there's a lot of distraction that comes with it. Actually, there, there are some really good studies out there today um, where many employers have cited extreme pro productivity increases by moving their workforces to remote to remote teams. So, you know, 85% of businesses who have moved their workforces from on-site to remote have recognized greater productivity in their, inside their organization. So there's a great case for productivity being a remote workforce as well. So that, that we, we actually recognize that ourselves. Um, and we knew that there would be a huge cost savings to a lot of organizations as well. 
not having the need for physical office space to expand office space for what comes along with the overhead of office space. So being able to eliminate all the operational costs that come into housing your team was also a huge benefit for a lot of organizations as well. And even the church. I mean, at some point you run out of space and you're, you have to make a decision whether you're going to expand your facilities at another location or potentially just let part of your team work remote. So what are some of the challenges of that? If those are the advantages, Tricia, what are the challenges of working remote? Yeah, so I think the challenges are, um, the challenges are communication. Um, when you are working in an environment where you can't physically see people, your communication really has to ramp up. So, um, and with that comes a lot of trust as well. So you will notice gaps in communication because you can't walk by somebody's office or you, you're not going to see everybody at lunch or at the water cooler and you'll start feeling disconnected if you don't ramp up intentional communication. So at Belay, we always recommend over communicating and we have some tips and strategies we use to over communicate because you don't have those circumstance run-ins that you would in an office. So communication is a big one. Um, if you're going to remote um, it would be one of the first things I would say you need to focus on is what's going to be the communication strategy. How will people connect with each other um, so that people don't feel disconnected from what they can't see? So that's, that's a big one for sure. Another one that goes along with that is trust. As a leader, really being able to, to extend trust to your team is a huge one and employees feeling trusted because what happens is, as you can imagine, same thing. If you can't see what people are doing, you can't see if Sally's in her office or um, you could easily fill that gap with, well, I wonder what they're doing all day. Um, you could really let that get to your mindset if you're not a person that is um, open to trust um, and not want to um, get hung up on seeing people doing the work and shifting your focus really onto the result. If, if something was due by Friday and you still got it on Friday, it doesn't matter what you saw them doing Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So it, there becomes a mindset that goes into how you have to trust people as well. Wow. Fascinating. Now describe the kind of leader that you think decentralized work works for. Is a great fit for? And then describe the kind of leader that you think it is not a good fit for. Well, that's a good one. So um, I say it is not a good fit for somebody who, um, and these are harsh terms, but I'm going to put them out there, okay? Um, Just throw if them out, all right? If you're a micromanager and you are the kind of person that you have to pop into everybody's office every day and you need to know and see what everybody's doing at all times because you're in the weeds with your team it'll probably be really hard for you to work remote because you will lose that ability. Now, there may be certain types of organizations where that's necessary, but if that's the case, it probably be really hard to be a remote team or, or a remote leader. On, on the other side of that, um, to be a great leader and work remote, A, you have to be an excellent communicator. Written, verbal, you, you have to believe in over-communication, you have to say things twice, three times, um, you have to be comfortable with technology. That's a huge one, too. Um, being up to date on the latest and greatest opportunities to leverage for communication. Can't be afraid of it. You've got to be 
really open to using new tools, whether it's Zoom or a Slack or a chat box or a CRM function, Chatter, Salesforce. I mean, you will find yourself replacing physical office things with technology. So if you're tech enabled, you're going to do great. If you're an excellent communicator, you're going to do great. And if you can trust your team and stay focused on end results and not the day to day, you're going to do great. So I don't know the exact numbers. Maybe you do. Any idea approximately how many people you think are working remote today? Right now, they say about 30%. About 30% of the um, workforce is working some version of remote. Some of that is like um, some organizations allow their team members to maybe work from home on Friday or um, very part-time. So we still have a long way to go. Actually, 30% is not too bad if you think about it. I think there's a lot of um, different organizations that have been here for a very long time that if if you think about it, really are remote in nature. For example, my, my background is actually in retail management. And so for retail, as, as example, you may be a district manager running stores that are in all different malls all across a state, and you're not physically in person. So remote work has been around for a really long time. Um, just now, we're looking at the administrative job functions of work actually being removed from offices, where it used to be if you were an admin, you had to be in an office because you had to have right, the copy machine deluxe 5000 where you could rack and stack copies of things and print and staple. And there was so much physicality that went into administrative support. It was hard to fathom that you could ever not be in an office. You needed a fax machine. You needed access to all these antiquated tools that now really don't exist. I mean, right, when's the last time you printed something in mass bulk (laughs) that you need to hand out? So, you know, the world is changing to such an advanced technology that even the the easiest of jobs that used to really require you sit in an office just don't anymore. I mean, right now they're even saying that um, 65% of people who don't work remote wish they could work remote. And that, you know, I think that there's a huge workforce that really see the benefit or desire to have the opportunity to work remote. And it has changed so many things. Somebody actually did ask me for a fax the other day. They asked me to fax That's something. That's crazy. And I was like, you know, 1989 called, they want their machine back. I don't know <laughs> that they have those or how to use them. But uh, it has changed so many things. We are a remote team. And so working yes. decentralized, we try to figure that out. And we get on planes once in a while to go see each other and strategize, make the most of those times together. But it is interesting how you kind of happen into that and realize, mm-hmm. man, we can save a lot of money in certain ways, but you're right. The trust, the communication just have to be top notch. And uh, many times technology where there's three, four, five, some days, six different methods that will communicate with one another um, on a particular project. So uh, not for the faint of heart, certainly there's a lot to figure out, mm-hmm. but if you, Trisha, just had to say, here's my, my estimate, my idea of what the workforce will be like in 10 years. Let us peek into that. What would be your estimate for what the workforce will be like in 10 years? Yes. I mean, I, I think 10 years, we are going to be leaning more towards the 50% workforce working remote. I think that even big box organizations are starting to feel it. I mean, 
you could even look at some of the trends we just saw from this past holiday and some of the big box retailers losing sales and online sales continuing to skyrocket. I mean, even just for our shopping needs, people are staying home and shopping remote. I think that what will happen is um, that we're going to have a lot of empty big box stores out there. There's going to be a lot of available retail because I envision a lot of corporations making the transition and I envision a lot of even our personal needs like shopping changing where Amazon Prime is taking over the world. So who needs to go walk into a Target? <laughs> right? So um, you got to worry about what's going to happen to big box retailer knowing that, gosh, um, you can get anything you want delivered to your doorstep tomorrow with a click of a button. It's crazy. It's crazy what's happening today. Obviously, how that's changing employment, how that's going to change migration patterns and traffic and all kinds of predictions. And I love kind of hearing uh, some of those things, but we know something is changing and is going to continue to change. Uh, I'm sure that's a whole nother conversation right there. I know you guys do virtual assistance as well. Mm -hmm. I know there are a lot of people listening who say, I need help. I need an EA. I need a VA. Like, I just need help. When do you think it's time for a leader, especially leading their own thing, who just needs to give up some control and ask for some help? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the exact time. I think that um, as best you can get ahead of it, the better. Um, a lot of times what we see as people come and they are legitimately at the end of their rope, right? They have tried so long and for such a long time to hold all the things, to do all the things. They're trying to be a responsible entrepreneur, pastor, business leader. Um, they don't want to let go of the things they feel responsible to run, own, manage, too many things. Um, by the time they've actually made the decision that I need help and maybe that's with the, the help of an assistant, they're, they're close to at their wit's ends by the time we see them. So uh, my recommendation is always when you've gotten the first glimmer of uh, there are things I am doing in my day-to-day -day that I probably should not be. There certainly somebody else should be doing these things is, is likely the time to start thinking about it. We, um, one of the stories I like to tell is when Brian and Shannon started Belay nine years ago now, um, their first employee that they hired was a VA. That was me. Um, they knew that if they were going to lift an organization off the ground, bring on clientele, brand, market, all the things that they needed to do to really grow an organization and figure out how to serve people, that they could not be distracted by sending up proposals, invoicing, scheduling meetings, and Brian's travel as he was going to meet people. So even in the very early innings of, of Belay, when he was really an entrepreneur at, in startup mode, it was so important for him to have the support he needed to really lift, lift the organization off the ground. So even really early, early on, I find it so imperative to have the support you need because when you're launching something new, you know, whether it's a, a new church campus or whatever that may be, I mean, your focus, right, really should be on how you reach, how you're reaching more people um, and not on how do I file my expense report? 
So really, it's just when your priorities have shifted and you've run out of the time you need to do the, the most important things, it's time to let somebody else take care of the rest. Agreed, agreed, agreed. I'm a couple months in to this shift of giving up control. I don't consider myself an overly controlling person, but um, hey, while you're on here, let's grab some yeah. free consulting. We're yes. a few months in. We're just learning <laughs> this thing. Um, and so Eric uh, has taken over the role, uh, probably half EA and half operations director. So what would you tell me a few months in to make sure that the organization of Stay Forth Designs can lift? And then what would you tell Eric a few months in? Okay, so what I would say was, uh, I would say constantly recalibrate. So first and foremost, I've had an assistant, it was actually one of the first things I was afforded to have as Belay grew as well, is when I first moved into my first leadership role, it was like, you need an assistant because we want you working at your highest capacity as a leader. So that was gifted to me by Belay, which has been a treasure. So I've been working with an assistant for many, many years myself, and I've also been an assistant um, for many, many years. I've been an assistant for Brian, and I also was not Mike Hyatt's assistant way back when. So I've seen both sides of the spectrum. So I love talking about this stuff because I feel like I have a, a dual um, understanding of what it takes from both sides. So what I would say first and foremost is constantly recalibrate. So even though I've had an assistant for six, seven years, I'm constantly learning and understanding myself. The demands of me are constantly changing. And so therefore, the things I can delegate to my assistant are always evolving. So we make sure that we have time set aside where we can say, okay, my, my responsibilities are shifting and changing. I'm having to do new and different things. How can you help with this now? And we have brainstorming sessions where she may say, oh, I can take this part of a project or I can take this other thing off of you to free you up to tick on this new responsibility. So us constantly talking through the evolution of how she can help me is important um, because it is really ever-changing. Nothing stays the same forever. And then on the flip side for her as my assistant, um, she brings the most value to me in so many reasons. Um, number one, she is so responsive and attentive to my needs. I think that's really important when you are an assistant to an executive or leader that you are available and responsive um, and come with great ideas. She, um, another thing is to really help with solutioning. Sometimes delegation is great, but sometimes we can't even see where we need to delegate, right? There are probably things right, right now you should delegate, but you don't even know you should delegate them. And that's where I look for my assistant to come in. And I'll ask her every once in a while, what am I doing that you think I need to stop doing and you should be doing for me? And she always has a list of okay. things. She because can see I'm, the things that you can't or that I can't. She can see the things. Yeah, she can see the things that I'm holding on to that I shouldn't or that I should delegate that I shouldn't. And she always um, offers her assistance even when I haven't asked. Like she won't wait for me to delegate to her. She will see things that come in for me. She's in my inbox. So she will see an ask or um, a project initiative or something. And she will, she will hit me up and say, hey, let me grab that for you. Um, so I think her being your assistant, being really proactive, um, 
paying attention to what they see you spending time on and solutioning to help you figure out how you can spend less time on those things. That's great. Well, thanks for that. Eric, I love you. If you're listening to this, you're the man. Thank you. You're already doing great work. Uh, We're learning. And I realized, Trisha, that I had to deal with fears before I could actually deal with strategy and process was I had some fears, whether it was somebody else getting a response from someone else, not me through email. Is that prima donna? How does that feel? I mean, there's just so many things that I had just never done before. uh, And I am learning a ton on that every week. So thanks for advice to recalibrate. Let's talk about culture for a minute. How do you create culture in a decentralized team when you don't have a water cooler, you don't have a coffee pot, and you don't have a break room? Yes, that's a good one. And and that has been one of the things that we have really worked so hard on over the last nine years is trying to figure out how do we create a place where people want to come to work, they enjoy being here, they are also highly productive, and they check all the boxes. And we spent a lot of time and energy on this one, so I love talking about it. First and foremost, um, we do make intentional time for everyone to get together face-to-face. Even though we're a decentralized remote team, we, we make it a very high priority that there's a few times throughout the year where we have team functions. Whether it's a family day where um, our employees can bring their families on a weekend and we do a fun event. It might be our annual meetings where we're all getting together in person to review all things organizational, dream, vision, planning for the year, celebrating. Um, we make sure we do all those things. Um, Christmas parties. You know, so we make sure that we do, the team love seeing each other, even when we're decentralized. So we make sure that we prioritize it, we budget for it, we plan for it. It's important. Um, with that, all the gaps in between, there are little things we've put in place so to really help people feel like they're connected even when they're not. Um, two, of the, two of the things that I could think of right now are, first and foremost, we do a weekly, the entire company does a weekly high-low. So every Friday throughout the day, we have a group um, chat system. We use Chatter, which is inside Salesforce, but we've used like a private face group, group, group before where you could have your entire company all on a private group, whatever that is, Slack. Facebook, Chatter, we have everybody on the company on the same feed. And on Fridays, we have everybody post highs and lows. And we've been doing this since the beginning of time. Um, And it has been a real treasure. It's an opportunity for people not to just post highs and lows about what happened in their work week, but as them personally. Um, Our highs and lows are not about, oh, I had a great client meeting. Sometimes it's like, yay, my teenager passed their driver's test, or um, sometimes their low is my mom's sick, or, you know, you really learn about each other when you figure out how to integrate conversations around the personal things into work life, and that creates connection and great culture. People start caring about each other when they can really see what people are working on in and through in a given time period. So those highs and lows have really been um, instrumental with everyone feeling like they're connected to each other, even when they can't see them. And then another thing we do more from a um, cohesion and working environment culture is we do um, what we call the big three every Monday morning. So for example, I have my team re- 
send me their big three items that they're working on for the week and I do the same. So that creates a couple, it, it does a couple things for us. Number one, it helps everybody, and we all send it to the entire group. So everybody can see what everybody else is working on in a given week, whatever projects, initiatives, whatnot. Usually most people are working with other people on whatever it is they're doing. So it's an opportunity for everybody to look for overlap and see where they can step in and support each other and go, hey, I noticed on your big three, you're working on XYZ project. I'd like to be part of that or I am part of that. How may I help you? It's also even an opportunity for my assistant to say, oh, based on the big three things you want to do this week, how may I help? Or can I help you with the other things on your calendar this week that are not in the big three? So it's created a great culture of support in the work environment, even by communicating those things on Mondays. So it's the, it's the little things like creating opportunities for those communication moments to happen that have been really you know, important for our team to feel like they're connected and we're not a million miles away from each other. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, all right. Maybe the most important question I've asked, have you ever had a Zoom Christmas party? No. I, wouldn't that be so awkward slash That's awesome like a, at the same time? Is, is that like a silent, that would be like a, almost like a silent disco. Is that like awkward and super fun at the like, same time? Cheers <laughs> on the webcam, like show up in your ugly sweater. Like I'm just imagining like where, yes. where is this heading with decentralized teams and all these things. Like there's literally people who will not ever meet each other, like high five each other, hug each other. And yet they will True work story. on hours and hours and hours every week. So like what a crazy world um, we live in, but what cool opportunities, especially if you are a trustworthy employee, especially if you are getting it done, want to get it done at your own pace. We have four kids. So I love, I'm recording this right now in our home. You may hear a dog bark here in a minute. You may hear a kid run in or beat on another kid, but it's the, the beauty of that. And it's mostly awesome um, working from home. So I'm definitely an advocate. Love what you guys do. Um, we always want to ask each guest, besides delegation to your assistant, uh, what are some practices you have in your life, Tricia, to stay healthy? Um, I would say to, to be a healthy whole person, um, there, there are a few things. First and foremost, I, I try and set goals for myself that have nothing to do with work. Um, that was... That, it took me a while to figure out that that should be a thing for me, right? Like I was really good at setting, I think most people are good at maybe setting career goals. Okay, this year I need to accomplish X, Y, and Z at work, or I was not really good at setting personal goals. So that's important for me. I usually um, define at least five or so for a year that are personally related. So, um, and then what, then achieving those is what, what helps me remain healthy. So um, for example, I may have a certain, like right now I have a certain, desire to have a certain amount of date nights with my husband each month for the year. And in order to do that, I have to maintain great balance and say no to other things. So the biggest thing I say about being healthy and well-rounded as an individual is it does actually mean saying no to a lot of things. Um, having really tight boundaries when you're trying to fit all the things in. I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of us overcommit we try and do too much at work, too much at home, too much with friends. You know, we're trying to do so many things. And at the end of the day, we're cramming it all in. And we wind up where we, to these places where we find we are burnt out. So being able to say no and really monitor how much time you're actually willing to give each area of your life 
or that you would desire to give each area of your life is so important. And I, I say this and most people don't believe me, but I say it in absolute truth. You know, I'm a CEO of a fairly large organization, um, been the CEO for many years. I work 40 hours a week. I mean, I don't, I don't need to work 50, 60, 80. Could I? Sure. Is there 80 hours worth of work I could probably do? And of course there is when you're trying to grow an organization and lead people and do great things. You could really spe spend a lot of time in there, but I decide, you know, I'm going to have balance. I'm going to invest 40 hours in my work life and that leaves all the other time that I could leverage for my, my physical health, my family health, health of my marriage, my spiritual health, so that I have enough time to do all the things because at the end of the day, right, none of us are going to be remembered necessarily for how many hours we worked. That's good. So helpful. I love this part of our podcast because we always get such specific things from people. Keep protecting those date nights. They're worth it. They're worth that investment. And um, I love that you say, sometimes I don't get around to prioritize all of the things if they're not in my work schedule. And what I find is that life and that vitality comes from those goals outside of work. I mean, of course, you're going to set, you know, boundaries. And of course, you're going to crush stuff and cultivate things within work. So um, thanks for that. And for your example, love what you guys are doing. Thanks for how many people you're empowering. And as the gig economy grows, I'm sure you guys will continue to skyrocket in your growth. Tricia, how can we continue to learn from Belay and from you personally? Yes. Well, I would love for you guys to follow us out on social media. Um, you will find Belay on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You will find me there as well on Instagram at Trisha, Trisha Shortino on Instagram. I'm also on LinkedIn. We do our very best to provide content and resources to really talk about these types of things. You know, we talk a lot about, um, how to be a well-rounded parent, how to be a great leader, how to work remote, how to delegate better to your VA. We're, we're trying to cover all the bases and really, you know, be out there with guys like you, right? And organizations like you who are really um, out there trying to figure it out, knowing that we are shaping the workforce of the future and people will continue to look to us to help them um, do it in, in great fashion. So um, I'm glad you're out there leading the way with us on this one. Well, thanks, Trisha. Appreciate you guys and what you do. And hey, we're cheering you on that you hit your date night goals this year. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you. We will. It's on the calendar. 